All right, we are lit, good sir. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of Cultivated Ignorance. I am Will, the host. I'm like the favorite host, and I'm just tired of Will's shit with this no, you're sound not. effects and the, the faces. You can't just have a... <laughs> the this week, we got a dope show for y'all. Um, we are going to be talking about... Guess what, Mike? What? Motherfucking Dave Chappelle. Yeah, bruh, I'm, I'm sick of it. Okay, so, okay, okay, for real, okay. After this one, we done, okay? We done with Dave forever. Done. Done, done, done. So even after Dave dies, we're not talking about Dave Chappelle? Yeah. All right, cool. That's it. We're not going to celebrate his life. Sweet. He's going to be like, hey, that one time, did you see that comedy special by that guy that... No. Not even doing that. Not even doing that. Um, We're also going to be talking about accomplishments and failures. I think a lot of us go through this, um, especially like... Just when you're trying to get ahead in the world, you know, yeah, you got ups and downs, and we're going to be talking about uh, just how you overcome or how you progress forward with those accomplishments and failures. Uh, we are also going to be talking about now. This is a tough one. Me and Mike talked in the car a little bit about this, and it was yeah. a tough one. <laughs> you know, I think Mike, you say uh, for racism to die, like the concept of race has to die, right? Yes, I believe that. Yes. <clears throat> so we're we're asking the question. What is a world without blackness? Like, how do we feel about that? Do we want that? <laughs> That's the question. Do we really want that? And what does it look like? Hmm. Um, that's that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a really tough one. Um, hmm. Yeah, man, we're going to be talking about all that and more. Uh, one thing we didn't have on here that I kind of want to touch on real quick is the Travis Scott thing. Oh, we don't have to dive super deep into it, but I did kind of want to just get your thoughts on it. Um, mm. But real quick, as always, we broke, boys. We broke, man. <laughs> uh, let me type this in. I'm selling yeah, drugs during this podcast just to make my rant. So, yeah. All right. Share screen. Bam. If you don't know, now you know. This show costs money to produce. That's it. So, if you like our content, if you love our content, www.patreon.com slash cultivated ignorance. Yes. Membership for all the exclusive shit is what, Mike? Only $5. Only $5? Yeah. So join up. Uh, you know, join up. We got other dope shit on there. Mm-hmm. Insecure reviews happening on there since this is our unfortunate last season. Yeah. Um, you know, <clears throat> uh, we're probably gonna review the harder they fall. Oh, yeah, I gotta say, I watched that shit. Gets through it. I'm the only black person in the world who hasn't watched it yet, so I gotta. I gotta yeah, you're person. shameful. You're just disgracing your people. I hate black people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, we've we've had a, a string of great interviews lately. Mm-hmm. Um, interviews. I mean, we're always proud of our interviews. We think we do a great job, but mm-hmm. some higher profile people. 
um, FB Signifier, really popular on YouTube. Uh, Jill is Black. Who Super is, dope. Yeah, just an amazing. Well, it's actually Jill Louise Busby, but, yeah. uh, you know, she was an amazing interview. She uh, she had all the whites hating her for a while. <laughs> um, and even many of the Blacks. So. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, man, just check us out. Uh, Patreon.com slash Cultivated Ignorance. Please do, man. Even if you don't like us, just pay us to stop doing shows. How about that? Yeah, just pay us the $5. Yeah. Give me the fucking money. There you go. That's all wrong. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. How have you been, my good sir? I've been great. You know what I'm saying? Finally catching up some rest because I've been busy. But life is beautiful, how, man. How, how have you been catching up on rest, Mike? Hey, if man, you know. works at 9 to 5. You know, you're pretty much out the door every day by work, 8, 8.30. I work a 9 to 5, just like you, sir. I just do moms from the house, baby. You know, some people think coronavirus has gone away. Um, I myself like to take extra precaution and work remotely again. You guys still riding that pandemic wave. Hey, man, you got to do what you got to do. I will say, because I do work on computers and have to make sure my whole office can work remotely as well, that part's been a pain in the ass. But now that we got that part straightened away, we living the life, man. <laughs> we like, we waking up when we want to wake up. You know, I got five different five girlfriends. Before, and your draws. <laughs> in the oh, in the meeting, in the draws, camera turned off because all this is naked up from that might home. be the best thing in the world. I can wake up immediately and go and to just, work. And just walk over and just turn the computer on. And I go okay. Turn the computer on, you know about who knows. 45 minutes to an hour into my shift, I'll go brush my teeth, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bro, cooking breakfast, like, in your house while you just, like, looking at emails and stuff. <laughs> or if I do have a call, just got the Bluetooth on, you know what I'm saying? They hear, you know, eggs and stuff frying in the background. Can't hardly hear me. It don't matter. I'm still getting the job done. Um, this is beautiful, man. Yeah. Um, How you been, though? I've been lovely. Proud of my lady. She bought a house. She did. Yay. We got to have her move out and shit. Yay. Hopefully this will be the last move we do for a couple years. Nope, because I'm moving out soon. So y'all might as well get ready. Are you? I'm hoping so. Give me like a year and I'll be right there with y'all. Okay. Well, I think Greg's trying to move within the next year also. So no, God, no. <laughs> Greg said he's trying to buy a house within the next year. So we'll see. I'm trying to buy a house within the next two years. So our you slate is full. Stay where you at. You just got this house. Stay. <clears throat> two years, man. I told myself two years. It's the most conflicting thing ever. Like, have all your friends, like, you know, everybody's moving out. Everybody's upgrading their life. And you're so yeah. proud of that. But then you got to help facilitate the shit. It's very conflicting. So. Very annoying. Yeah, man, she just bought a house. Very proud of her. We get to move her soon. My godson has a birthday coming up. Same birthday day. Party. <laughs> Same day. <laughs> um, just blessings all around, man. That's I'm getting man. walked up. I'm no, getting these promises popping off. Hey, man, we'll make it seven figures out here. Yeah. Oh, we can just shut down the Patreon, just fund it off. If, your, if, your if, if I'm if I make seven figures this year, which I don't think I'm anywhere close, but if I do, I'm really fucking up because I feel still broke. I still feel broke. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel very fucking broke, sir. But it's Uncle Sam just taking. Bro, that nigga is a menace. He's just he's just waiting for you. You need to get to yeah. see it before you take it. He just snapped it from your arms. 
Yeah, man. So life is good. That's dope, man. Uh, yeah, man. So <clears throat> I know you can speak on this, and I think I can speak on this as well. Um, you know, just growing up doing all kinds of shit. You know, you're gonna have big accomplishments, small accomplishments, yeah, big failures, little failures. And I think where we get hung up on uh is like getting over that hump of a failure. Or figuring out what we got to do next after accomplishment. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that keeps us kind of stuck in the same place. It's I think, especially when you have a failure. Mm. Because <clears throat> not a failure. I don't know if it's a failure. You just, you know, you get a, a, a setback. Let's say that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we just don't know how to overcome those things and kind of process what happened and learn from it. Hmm. Like how 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 long should you sit in your failures and accomplishments? I yeah, you asked this in the car. I think it's a really good question. Um because I've always felt like well not always I've lately felt like I've struggled with the exact opposite and not sitting with my accomplishments or failures long enough. Um mm-hmm. you know we've been friends me and you've been friends since the beginning of the time and it seems like only recently, only the last like six or seven years or so that I've really been just delving full on into this whole entrepreneur, you know, activism, um, all these things I'm doing now. And it feels like ever since I started, it's been nonstop. And yeah. it feels like it's been very few times. This past year, is a per- I'm sorry, this past month has been a perfect example where I was working on at least four different projects at the same time. And I can't even remember like I remember the feeling I get and the knowledge I got from the conversations and working with these people, but like October is just a complete blur. Really? Complete blur. I feel like October just started yesterday and it just completely ran by. And I was like, damn, did I really fully appreciate these experiences while they were happening? Um, So yeah, I would say the exact opposite. Like, what do you think about that? Like I, I feel like because we're in like a microwave culture especially that's centered around content creation and staying relevant online. I think people aren't sitting in their conferences long enough. And like, we're always looking for the next thing to happen like super fast. Yeah. I think that's true, especially for accomplishments. Um, well, I don't know, man, I guess it all depends on the person because yeah. you're right. Like we are in a microwave society, you know, where, where it's always like, you got to do the next thing, you the next thing you yeah. got to stay on the ground, stay on the ground keep it up, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is the mentality that a lot of people have. But at the same time, like, I feel like once people reach like a certain status, and this may just be those individuals being satisfied with where they're at. But I think oftentimes we see people as well, like they get to a certain notoriety in their field or, you know, have this certain accomplishment mm-hmm. and they can't or they they keep just trying to Recap you don't know where to go next in a way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and some people just rest on that fact. Like, you know, I know you've had met people who said, yeah, I did this such and such and such and such. And like, it'd be like a minute ago. Mm-hmm. And like, you have no, you have no works from them as of late or nothing oh, innovative man. as of late. Right, right. You know what I mean? They're just, 
they're just resting on the fact that they had this one thing at this one time. Um, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and I think this, I, I really think this conversation is more uh, critical for people who fail. Hmm. Because I think we, oftentimes, we just don't know how to get up. Hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I know, like, we've all been there in school. Like, you doing shit in the class. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I failed a class before. Granted, like, it was probably for lack of not trying. But I think even in those moments, that lack of not trying is probably a result of you being scared to try and apply yourself. Very true. And then, you know, you fail anyway. So you rest on the fact that like, oh, I never even tried. You know what I mean? Very, very true. So how do we get over that hump as to like, yeah, I failed, but here's how I'm going to achieve now. I guess it's make a plan, obviously. It's make a plan, but I think more importantly, I think it's just sitting. I do think there's a certain amount of time you do have to sit in your failures so you don't just keep refailing at the same thing. I think there's a portion of time where you just have to be like, well, first of all, I do believe this. I do believe certain forms of rejection are people or opportunities um, trying to save you from yourself because I don't think everything that we think we want so badly is actually for us. So I believe in sitting with those failures because in sitting with them, you might actually realize, wow, that actually was not for me at all. Um, This relationship, this job opportunity, um, this house, this car, whatever, actually, this is not what I wanted. I just thought I wanted it, maybe because of you know surrounding advice, or maybe I was just so caught up in my own desires in the moment, and actually might have saved me, myself for myself. Um, so I believe in sitting with it for amount of time. the The amount of time I think is subjective, um, especially depending on the situation. Like, for instance, if you're going into dating situation after dating situation and nothing's panning out long term i do believe in sitting with the quote-unquote failure of not having a relationship for an extended amount of the time because then you get to just learn like what's going on with you you know what i mean you just get to learn do you even need to be in a relationship right now um yeah but certain other things like if you're feeling at getting jobs and you're not you got kids and you're not making well, nigga, you, better, nigga, you better get back up <laughs> okay but i want to actually what you think about this though Certainly stuff like that, though, is kind of tricky because I'm not one believe that believes in condemning people for not getting a job just for the sake of having a job. I do believe. How do I want to word this? I think getting a job that is unhealthy and that you hate can sometimes be worse than not having a job at all. Unless mm-hmm. you have no other streams of income, you know, to support yourself or your people who rely on you. Yeah. So I don't believe in just telling somebody like, nigga, you better work at McDonald's to get something. I would never tell somebody to get like $7 an hour just to say you work somewhere when, you know, you hate what you do for a living. You hate yourself. You're depressed still. And you're going nowhere still. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you think about stuff like that? I think you have to survive. So like, like despite it affecting your mental health and you still not going anywhere, like what is the better option I think it depends on your situation. Like, so I don't believe in, so I'll take myself for example. Like my mom, my mom didn't make me work in um, high school until I wanted to go to Washington. I got into this program because I had really good grades or whatever. 
and um, this watch was going. This is program was going to send me to D.C. to go to the White House and you know all that shit. Yeah. And um, it was, shit was hella expensive though. And so that's the only time I ever had to work is to get some extra money for that. But as long as I maintain my grades and stuff, even when I was a teenager, um, mm-hmm. and even after I graduated high school, like as long as I was doing well, my mom didn't really make me get a job because she knew I was trying to like just work on myself. Um, I was working on art stuff, all these mm-hmm. things like that. So I don't really believe in making kids get a job just to, so they have something to occupy themselves or just doing something quote unquote productive if they don't need mm-hmm. a job right now. And they can be building their lives in other ways. Whereas I think a lot of black parents feel like you got to get them in something. I agree with that. I thought we were talking about just a survival standpoint, like as an adult, like. Yeah, yeah, no, no. As a survival standpoint. Yeah. You got to do something. To, yeah. You can't just rely on other people for sure. Unless you can do that. Um, yeah. Like if you can, you know, lean on people and, and you're actually trying to figure your shit out. Yeah. yeah. Lean on me. Right. You know what I mean? I think there has to be a concerted effort to, actually improve your situation if you have a failure obviously like me myself like I failed at in my eyes you know being a supervisor at one point like worked at Sam's Club for I guess what was it I don't know like three years became a supervisor yeah. uh, did that went to night shift became like a bigger supervisor didn't like it and I don't know if it was that I wasn't liking it or that I was failing it or both mm-hmm. uh, it was probably a little bit of both but a lot of it had to do with just me and his manager didn't click <laughs> um like we had just extremely different styles at all y'all niggas didn't click at all <laughs> yeah uh he's actually a cool dude in real, yeah, real life yeah he's lit yeah um but you know, uh, switch from that to become, you know, a lateral move. And that didn't work out. And I got fired. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought of myself as somebody who could lead people, organize people for like, you know, a specific uh, goal. But since then, I haven't taken that leap in any of my other jobs, nor have I had the desire to. Um, Why do you think that is? I don't know if that's because of fear of failure or so it could be because of fear of failure or the amount of stress I dealt with while being a supervisor, which is so much to me that I never want to do it again. <laughs> I'm, I'm like years later, what was that? 2013 when I got fired? Mm-hmm. Like, bro, I'm still processing it. Wow. Because I mean, and like, I've never, I haven't really needed, like, I, like where, like where does retail experience get you outside of retail? So like, it's not like I'm going back to like retail supervisor shit. Like I don't want to do that. Um, I'll say retail experience is definitely. I've always been a, a talkative and friendly person, but retail experience has definitely helped me with um customer service in general. I absolutely agree. But like outside of like a outside of like that, outside of a retail job or like a call center. Or just any customers, any like menial customer service job. I, sorry, people, not menial, but just like, you know, uh, high traffic customer service job. Like, I don't feel like it gets you very far. I feel that, yeah. Um, you know, so I just, bro, I remember the feeling 
of like taking work home with me, not even necessarily like actual work, but just thinking about shit you had to do the next day. Oh, that's the worst for me. Like that shit would on your brain the whole fucking night. Ugh. Bro. And I was like, never again. Like, never again will I do that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly why I, I believe that. I don't believe in just telling people just to get a job for a second getting a job. Unless, of course, like I said, you only have yourself to depend on. You got kids or whatever like that. Like, you got to do what yeah. you got to do. But let me ask you this. Um, so with that feeling, do you feel like this, the culture of individualism that's kind of like really permeate our entire society in terms of like we're quote unquote in this together but at the end of the day like we kind of know we're all in it for ourselves unless you're very intentional about building an actual community Mm -hmm. do you think that culture of individualism doesn't allow people to properly fail because they don't have people to fall back on when they get down and i can give an example i don't know if that made sense when i just said it just now um it kind of makes sense but yeah go further so I'm someone who believes that, and I've seen this firsthand, if you don't work for an extended amount of time in the traditional work sense, um, you might be working, like, you know, you might have kids, you might be, you know, doing something around the house, but if you don't work in a traditional, like, corporate space, for example, or a retail space for an extended period of time, I think your brain, in a sense, is not prepared to just jump back into that right away. Um, we saw that with like your girlfriend when she first tried like a corporate setting and she had to get used to like things that were she had to do in court in accordance with like HIPAA um HIPAA law. Yeah. Um, with like locking computers and stuff like that, or like you know, checking in with certain people, security standards. Um, I think the same thing goes with just in general working in a traditional American um corporation. Yeah. If you don't do that for an extended period of time, it's like your brain kind of gets out of whack and just just be thrown back into that. You know, all of a sudden, after not working for like a year or so, I feel like you're more than likely bound to fuck up because your body's just not trained to just keep up with this routine day in and day out. Yeah. And I think that's where you see a lot of people who just kind of get like one job at McDonald's and get fired and get a job at Walmart, get fired, get a job at Walgreens, get fired because they just can't get their body into, you know, the function of things. The the monotony almost basically exactly exactly because these companies treat you like a machine for the most part they all expect us to kind of work I mean, like robots you really are just a cog in the wheel like exactly exactly so if you don't have like a community of people to fall back on whenever that happens to help you get rewired into that um you end up losing a job and then people just kind of paint you as oh they go you know will again can't hold a job can't you know can't help himself together can't keep him keep his life together and I think that it builds more depression, um, more self-doubt, more lack of self-identity, and you just keep failing. And I think that's kind of how that happens. Yeah, I agree. Like, those things do happen. But as a realist, like, how hard are these jobs really? Like, is it so much to ask for you to, like, like, you operate a computer at home. Like, and there's some that don't, but the majority of people know how to operate a computer. You know what I mean? And there's training modules and all these other things to help you through these monotonous roles that you have to play at these jobs. Like what, I guess my thought process is like, especially low paying jobs, they don't ask a lot of critical thinking. Um, so what is the difficulty 
in maintaining the, you know, the few responsibilities or the getting in the rhythm of things. What's so difficult about that? And maybe I'm being insensitive. I think that you might be kind of forgetting that the the intense, what can a lot of times be the intense workload of like working in retail, for example, where you're already not getting paid a lot. And a lot of times you're working in a very volatile work environment. Um, you have very short breaks. You're, you have very time breaks. People are always like, you know, looking for you and shit. Um, you, a lot of times you work in overtime with no extra pay because they, you know, take this form. I'm not going to say the name, but take this form of the company that me and you both work for. These people will constantly be pushing us to work past our time shift, but never like clock in for like overtime. Cause if you did that, you could be fired instantly. Yeah. Um, it's coming out like hello fresh, which you know, hello fresh is my, my shit. Uh, they're talking about like how people are underpaid and like overworked and very dangerous work environments. You have to meet a certain production um, quota, I guess you could say per day. I guess it's like the intensity of the work. You might not be, the, be doing the most critically thinking work. You know, I think some of it is more critically thinking than people like to give credit to. Um, but at the same time, your your body is put in such extreme. What'd you say? Your body's just like overly strained. Yeah, yeah. Like in a and again, you're not being paid very well, and you're not used to this. So it's like yeah. it's a lot to take on at once. I guess that's why people do all these gig jobs, man. That's how they've gotten like so popular. I think you know so. your Uber Eats, your you know, your little car rider services, whatever. For sure. For sure. But even um, like like that, don't you have to work like a, a large amount of hours to get like an adequate amount of money? If people don't aren't tipping do. like that? You do, but I guess it's at your pace, at least. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you can figure out kind of the high peaks and the, you know, the high times where you can, you know, get extra money and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But I guess if you're smart enough about it, it can work without being too terribly, you know. All right. Um, but yeah, man, I, I mean, I guess I get what you're saying. Like these, it is, it's easier than I thought to become overwhelmed by a, a low paying menial job. Yeah. And that's not really like the conversation here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, overall, I feel like we let things cripple us mm-hmm. and we just don't know how to recover from it. And so that's what, you know, what, what do you think is the best way to overcome that? Like I said, I think there has to be a certain amount of time that you sit with both failures and accomplishments and like you truly sit with them, truly examine them, think about how they made you feel um yeah i think that's i think that's another part like how do you really learn from these things i can tell you uh, okay. I think people sorry do you think people actually learn from like breakups and stuff like that or do we kind of just block stuff out like you know a, a, a breakup for most people would feel like a, a failure you know what i mean yeah um you know so how do we learn from these accomplishments and failures that's probably the best question we could ask that's yeah that's the i'm glad you brought up breakups because that's that's gonna be my and i'm gonna go to you for your what you think is the answer but that's gonna be my answer is sit with it for a certain amount of time examine how you felt um 
and actually examine whether or not it's actually something that's saving you from yourself or something that you really desire that you just need to try to go out a different way. Um, I think the breakup thing is a perfect example because I'm actually going through that now. And I feel like you talked to me directly with that, um, maybe not on purpose, because this is like one of the first times I've ever actually sat after my last breakup and just not communicated with the person on purpose. So mm-hmm. I can be like, all right, why don't I want to interact with this person like this? And why have, why have why has it taken me so many times to discover, like, I don't want to interact with this person like this anymore. Yeah. I'm so, I feel like I'm so used to like, you know me, man, I'll break up with somebody and then like, I want to be friends and shit. So like, I'll hit them up the next, like two days later, be like, Hey, how you doing? And <laughs> she's like, nigga, what? Like, I'm, I, that's what, that's what I, it's not exactly what she said, but <laughs> right. <laughs> no it's not exactly what she said it's much more graphic than that but this is the first time i'm actually like creating space between me and that person to actually sit with like why don't i want to be around this person like that in this manner when i've said so much that pointed to the opposite of saying you know i still love this person i still want mm-hmm. the best for them but like why don't i want to engage with them like that um I've, this is the first like one of the first time i actually have done that intentionally and that's sad to say at 30, you know, 33 years old. But I think that kind of just delves into everything else. Like you have to sit with it and be like, all right, man, why didn't this work out? Or or why did this work out? Yeah. I feel like I was really just sitting with, you know, my show on Blue Note Poetry, which is still taking a hiatus. Um, one thing I think I've struggled with is really sitting in the moment of those shows because I do, you know, I host it. I take the pictures for it. I'm talking to audience members and shit. I'm talking to people after the show. I'm talking to people before the show. It's not just your show, sir. It's not just my show. It's me and Al Black, man. The famous shout out to Al Black. Shout out to Al Black. So we. So we. So we <laughs> I'm saying, I'm just talking about my part in it. But yes, we do all oh, these I things. Got you. I but got Al you. Black don't be taking pictures. Don't be taking that part from me. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just sitting with the photography. Like I was just sitting, like looking at my photo album on Facebook. Like, damn, bro. Did I, how much did I actually sit with these moments? And just enjoy the show versus feeling like I'm working. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. I think you got to sit with it after the fact. You got to really sit with your failures and accomplishments and be like, how does this make me feel? Is this something I want to keep doing? Or is this something I'm just making myself do for somebody else? Or because I think it's going to make me money or whatever. Like, you really got to sit with, like, why is this a thing? Yeah. And what do you um, I completely agree. I think that's really the only way to do it. Yeah. Um, it's to really just sit with things. And oftentimes, like, whether it's in a relationship, um, work problems, whatever, like, you just got to be with yourself. Yeah. With those. Like, I think a lot of people make mistakes by asking other people's opinions on things. You think so? Yeah. And I, like, this ain't, I don't know if this is 100% true, but I kind of learned this from you, or at least what I feel like. Is it like you sit with a lot of things by yourself? You internalize a lot. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, because, you know, uh, you just, you, you'll always have like, we'll be talking about something one day and then like next week, two weeks later, we'll talk about it again. And you have like this whole complete thought process on it. <laughs> like, you know, despite being, you know, best friends, like we never even talked about, it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Maybe something that's going on in your life or whatever, you know, and like, a lot of people just lean on other people for advice. Mm. And my uncle told me a long time ago, like, this ain't their life. Like, <laughs> this ain't their life. They don't got to live it. 
They don't. That's why they can give free advice about it all day. So, like, yeah, like, what does it affect them? Like, they might be concerned for you as a friend, but, like, they're not living this life, so you can't <laughs> go, you know, that, that's based on what they've gone through in life. Facts. Um, <laughs> you know, you really got to, you really got to take time and sit with these things yourself. Yeah. And I think, especially with relationships and jobs, we always analyze it after the fact, like after that relationship is over, after that job is over. Oh, I think you need to sit with stuff in the moment as that's well. Insane. Yeah, you really got to sit with stuff in the moment because like, let's say at the end of a relationship, it's easy to say, oh, she fucked up here. Right. Like, right. yo, she, yo, she was always calling other dudes <laughs> or, you know, she, she, or she had male friends. That's the easy one. Right. She right. had male friends that made me uncomfortable. But in the moment, like if you had heard her in the moment, like, you know, John been my friend since like, you know, such and such and such. And I just don't feel like I can talk to you about this thing. Oh, well, there it goes. Well, if you would have sat with it in the moment, you yes. know, you could have understood that like, yo, she feels more comfortable with this guy instead of me. So maybe I need to be doing something. You know what I mean? Or maybe their, or their relationship is something I just can't handle. So like after we have this huge blowout argument, let's not, you know what I mean? Like let's identify it right then and there, or at least shortly thereafter. That's it, bro. Yeah. It. So I think we just need to take time with with smaller things rather than trying to tackle this one big thing all the way at the end. And I really, you know, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. And if you have the access to do it, you have the, you know, the means to do it. I can refer you to my therapist. If you see the show, hit me up. Like, I think that's what therapy helps people do. I think we take so much on, like, we think we have to be able to figure it all out by ourselves. But therapy really gives you a good therapist anyway gives you the tools to be able to do that in the moment because like you said when you got blown up and we don't have this all-out brawl in the middle of the living room like you're not trying to talk about nothing after the fact like until after the damn breakup when you like you said you vent everybody else like but imagine how much imagine how much more like enjoyment you can get out of somebody if you could just learn how to resolve things in the moment like yeah and just not have to come to the like, and, I, I, and i don't want i want to be clear like i don't necessarily mean in that exact moment but really just take time to process what event just occurred. Right. Instead of just being angry and just blinded by rage. Yeah, yeah because some people, well, they're they not the ones to talk to yeah. in the moment. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. That's a good thing to point out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just just take time and think about the events that occurred rather mm -hmm. than letting it just die off and it coming up later on and all this I was stuff. just about to say that's the shit that happens it's like you be think you living your life you happy and that shit just pop up <laughs> out of nowhere <laughs> beat yeah. your ass so essentially take time for your small accomplishments and small failures please do you yeah. deserve it alright god I don't want to do Dave Chappelle <laughs> we can keep it it's more so it's more so about you this is question is more so about you and if you're okay, so all right, we'll do, make this quick. Let's make this super quick. Yeah. All right. So, sh long story short, Wayne Brady, who is a, a black comedian, TV personality, he hosted uh, what was that show on CBS for the longest? Um, let's make a deal. Let's was it? Let's make yes. Let's make a deal. Mm -hmm. He was hosted. Let's make a deal on CBS for the longest. I don't even know if it's still on. It um. Be. But anyways, he's somewhat known for being like a very digestible black man yes <laughs> like very safe uh you know 
kind of if you quote unquote white, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. um, so, anyways, they uh Wayne Brady had an interview on the Breakfast Club, and they asked him, How do you feel about the joke? Uh Dave Chappelle or Paul Mooney said. And essentially, Paul Mooney was acting like Nero Domus, one of his characters on there. He said, uh, white people love Wayne Brady because he makes Brian Gumble look like Malcolm X. Yes. Bro, that's... <laughs> Even as kids, when we didn't fully, like, get it, get it, like, we knew that shit was funny, though. Like, bro, like, we knew one nigga was whiter than the other. Like, yeah, basically, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, so, that, um... That was a joke. And so Wayne Brady kind of talked about it while he was on the show at the Breakfast Club. He basically said that, sh- that joke was fucking whack. And like, yeah, he hated that shit. Yeah, it belittled his accomplishments as a black man. Um, he also noted that one of the reasons Paul Mooney told the joke the way it was written is because that Wayne Brady was more recognizable to America as a whole than Paul Mooney was. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, so uh, basically, he said it was insensitive to who Wayne Brady is and what Wayne Brady actually represents. And he's not really the whitest black guy in the room. You know what I mean? Him <laughs> yeah. and Brian Gumble aren't the whitest black guys in the room. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I've seen on the internet where people are actually sympathizing with Wayne Brady saying that, yo, that joke was, maybe it wasn't, the joke is funny. Like, <laughs> the joke is funny, le- legit funny. But it's insensitive as fuck. And I think you can acknowledge that. Um, a lot of people can acknowledge that that joke is insensitive as shit. Yeah. The same people that acknowledge that joke is insensitive as shit are also the people on the side of saying, Yo, y'all LGBTQ plus people just doing too much now. It's just jokes. <laughs> right. Oh. How hypocritical is that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and like, I realized this about myself because while I understand why LGBTQ people uh, are upset at some of the jokes Dave has, I'm on the side of like, yeah, y'all niggas doing too much. Like, like, y'all just kind of doing too much. You know what I mean? So in that moment, like, I was like, damn, I'm a little hypocritical, ain't it? <laughs> yeah. And I think what I realized was that I was defending something that I could identify with right. versus something that I didn't identify with. Basically, I, could, I, I was okay with defending a man's blackness, but not so much someone who's LGBTQ+. Which is exactly what LGBTQ, LGBTQ plus people have been saying, especially with the hypocrisy of they being held to such a, uh, on such a pedestal for walking away from $50 million over racially insensitive jokes as well. <laughs> so it's like, what's so insulting is like, <laughs> not only you, they, as people like Dave not listening, but you clearly have the range to grasp what people are like, how people feel and why they feel that way. But now it seems like you're just choosing not to lend that sympathy to these people because you can't identify with them. Yeah. It's like, that's what makes it so insulting. So the question is, oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was gonna say, so knowing that and then knowing how Wayne Brady felt after watching the interview, the question is like, 
has your mind changed on I don't know if I would say you were defending Dave. I think you were I think you knew Dave was doing the fucking most as far as choosing this guy to heal on. But I think what you're mostly siding on is this intense comedy desire. Is comedy? To, huh? That comedy is comedy? Comedy is comedy and like you just want to completely get rid of the world of cancel culture, quote unquote. Because like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely do. But. Yeah, I think people get so caught up in that that you're missing the you end up missing the point of what people are actually arguing about. The rational people, now, like I said, you can't go to the internet for these answers. You got to have conversations. <laughs> um, so knowing all these things, my question is like, has your mind changed in the, in the position you've taken with the whole Dave Chappelle controversy? Um, while I would like to say it does, did, my honest opinion is probably not. And I understand that I am being hypocritical. Okay. But I don't want to like, just say, sit here and say like the politically correct answer, like, oh, my, my whole world has changed. Like, oh, I completely agree with, you know, whatever, whatever. I should be on that side. Now that I've seen the hypocrisy of uh, how I choose to be biased. So what's stopping that from happening? Because I don't think it's genuine. You know what I mean? Like people, no, and it's not just for me. Like, I feel like a lot of the time, like people will see themselves wrong in the moment and they'll identify it and be like, oh man, I was really fucked up. Mm-hmm. How am I going to, you know, I'm going to be better from here on out. I want to prove to myself that I'm better before I say, you know what I mean? Like, like, uh, like somebody racist can be shown that they're being racist, but until they stop being racist, it doesn't matter. I agree, but you can also acknowledge that you're, you can. I'm wrong. I am wrong. I will admit that. Okay. Well, I think, yeah, I don't think anybody's, I don't think I'm not, I'm not going to say anybody. I'm not asking you to like, you know, have a complete change of heart. I would like that. I'm just saying, like, I don't believe yet that my behavior will change. I hope it does mm. because I see the because I see the the bias that I have towards one thing versus another, which mm. isn't right. I'm just not so sure that in the future, while even though it is wrong, and I probably will, once somebody shows me that it's wrong, I'll probably acknowledge it again. I feel like, well. You know what I mean? Like, I know what you I mean, like but what stopped you from what stopped you from making the effort to just fully change then? Being honest? Yeah. I probably just don't want to do the work. <laughs> like, you know, that's I mean? honesty. Like, I just don't want to dive into it. That's honesty. I, I think you I would challenge, I think you should challenge yourself on that. I really do. Because I think you will benefit from it. I think. Everything around you will benefit from it. But that is honesty. I respect honesty. Yeah. Um, and I think that's another thing people get so mad about Dave about is like, it seems like he's pretending that he wants to learn, but like, he's so caught up in the I don't think he that. wants to learn. I don't even think he really, I think he knows that his jokes are like hella insensitive. And that, I don't know if he knows he he's actually hurting people. No, like, I, I think he, like, he's on the same wave of like these jokes are jokes. This isn't I'm, like real anger. This is just the internet. I, I feel like he's defending his right to free speech 
and fighting cancel culture more than anything. I think there's that, but it's also like a clear, like, I don't want to learn how to do better because I don't think I need to do better. So the difference between you and him is I think Dave thinks he knows, you know, queer and trans folks because he has some queer and trans friends and he's not acknowledging the fact that he's Dave Chappelle and like niggas around him more likely than not just go along with him because he's Dave Chappelle. I think he mm-hmm. thinks he knows what he's talking about, which is why he'll say something like he's team turf without actually knowing like who turfs are and how they actually like actually hate trans people. Like that thing, that's how he can say something like that so comfortably because he thinks there's no change that needs to happen at all. The difference between him and you is you saying, I acknowledge that change probably needs to happen, but I'm not willing to put in that work to make that happen, which again, I would say challenge yourself on that. Um, Cause like I said, the world will open up for you. Um, but I think that's the difference is he doesn't think he has anywhere else to go. And he's shielded by wealth to like not even have to make him have to do that in the first place versus you saying like, I know there's things I need, I should learn to be more sensitive or to, you know, just know what's going yeah. on more, but I'm just not willing to do that. Maybe right now, maybe it'll happen in the future. Fingers crossed. I don't know. I think that's the difference. I mean, I'm not, I'm not against it. I'm just yeah. like, if, like, like if it was, it was like throwing in my face every day. Sure, I'd learn. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's the thing, though, is getting to the point where it's like it's going to be like it's already being naturalized, but it, it is a natural part of life. But it's, it's beginning to be assimilated into everything at this point. And I yeah. feel like those fighting it just see that coming and are just denying themselves that like they're just trying to hold on to something that's never been natural, um, that's always been systemic. And because it has many identified with them and benefited them primarily, they are resisting it because it's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I just think like, it's just like, just ask yourself, other than just not wanting to put in the work ethic, like what's the worst that can happen, man? Like, it's just like, there's nothing but goodness. No, there's happen. nothing, there's no, there's no worst that could happen. Like, yeah, there is no worst that could happen. All right. But like, there's the who was that? Uh, Gerard Carmichael. Like, he has a stand up mm-hmm. where like he talks about like I just don't care enough to like be an activist, or I just don't care enough to even learn about these topics. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just not something that he wants to dive into, and I kind of feel like that's where I'm at. Like, I want everybody to have rights. Yeah, whatever. Like, I'm just not passionate enough about it to dive into it to learn about it i get that i would just say sometimes when you don't learn about certain things and you have the visceral reaction of someone who is you know heterosexual male you're wanting people to have rights it's kind of your visceral reactions can sometimes be counterproductive to that those rights being granted because Things like, so so transphobia is still rampant in America, and that's where you get these, like, transphobic uh, bills or anti-trans bills. If you don't get mm-hmm. rid of, like, the transphobic mindsets, bills like that still get passed, and it's kind of counterproductive to just saying, like, I want everybody to have rights and shit. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. like, I will make yourself aware of that, is you might be well-intentioned, but, like, if you don't know what's going on, if you're not accepting of certain things... You can't do the exact opposite or perpetuate the exact opposite. Does that qualify? 
I hate language, but like, does that qualify as like transphobic? My thought, my thought process is like to not be empathetic towards the LGBTQ plus people's feeling about a joke from Dave Chappelle versus my empathy towards Wayne Brady for feeling the way about a racist joke or a race joke from Dave Chappelle. I would say. And I'm not trans, so I'm not, I would definitely consult a trans person on this because I'm not the expert. Yeah. But I would say, like, if you have a certain aversions and possibly fears of transness that lead into you siding with one side than the other, then there might be some transphobic qualities in you. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously got to be, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. It didn't didn't Tam say like pretty much everybody's transphobic, or she said something phobic. I feel, I feel like it was transphobic or homophobic, maybe. I feel like I heard her say that. I don't want to misquote her, but um, and maybe we should get it back on the show if you want. Um, yeah. like she said, she said something to the fact that like we're all homophobic and transphobic to some degree. Um, yeah, which I mean, it's probably true. I still gotta sit with that more. Because it kind of falls in line with the whole like all white people are racist kind of line of thinking. Like because of the you know way that system works, the way that whiteness works, that could be true to some degree. Um, we should get another trans guest on. No, we, we never had a trans guest. We should get a trans guest on and um yeah. and talk about this. I think in more depth. So like transphobic, according to Oxford, you now says having a showing, having or showing a dislike or prejudice against transsexual or transgender people. Mm-hmm. I don't dislike them. Um, I don't show that I dislike them. I don't, I don't, or prejudice. I think the prejudice is like. That's the or prejudice part. (laughs) That's the whole, the prejudice and like aversion type thing. That's what gets people. That's what people, that's the part people miss. Time to get a hard definition on prejudice. Hey, you ever do that? Like where you Google something oh, and then yeah. you gotta and then you gotta like find the other word that's in there. It's yes. like, well, am I really this way? Like no, that's that's how I began my journey. Like <laughs> getting into this shit, like getting into things. Like I think Sabrina had gave me like a implicit bias quiz. Mm-hmm. And um I think um when I took it, I took it like this was like years and years ago. Like I thought oh, I said, I'll just take the shit. And a big thing basically said, like I had like a a very slight, it wasn't significant, but a very slight um, preference for like lighter tone uh, people in general. But the way it was structured was like, it's likely because of like all of our desire to get closer to whiteness because it's, it's seen as the most desirable thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but stuff like that, like it can just really open your eyes to just, just stuff that's just in you that you don't be knowing. Yeah. So. We should come back to that in another episode. Good talk, baby. Good talk. Hey, man, we're going to get well together, y'all. We're going we're gonna to figure it out. <laughs> um, oh, together along with that, I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. with that, uh, you had an implicit bias or something like that. Implicit bias test. Have you ever done an ancestry test before? No, I, I want to. I'm yeah. afraid they might be scammers, but I, I do want to. <laughs> I'm thinking about doing it as well. It's $59 right now, so... For like a full, like you, I can find out everything. Yeah, it's fifty nine dollars to find out, like you know, where your parts come from. Um, parts. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> 
there's an African ancestry one, but I don't know. That one is like three hundred dollars. Oh no, that sounds so, like scam territory. What's the What's the one that costs sixty dollars? What, what What's that one? Ancestry.com. All right, we might reconvene. We might get it together or something. <laughs> All right, man. So, I think that what do we come up with this one? What is a world without blackness? Were we talking about the oh. Eric about this shit, or were we talking about something else? Um. <laughs> well, you know, I've been you know talking about the concept of race for the longest now because I'm working on a project about it, and um, I think it came from. I think I told you about the theory of racelessness about this woman. Um, I think her name is Sheena Martin. I definitely want to have her on the show. Mm-hmm. Hope I got her name right. Um, I'll look it up later. But um, yeah, basically we were just talking about um, not to get into the whole spill of things, but talking about the creation of whiteness and how that's been um, naturalized. The creation of race itself has been naturalized. And people thinking that, you know, we were born black and white when that's really a label thrown on us. Um, if y'all want more information on this, I definitely suggest two of the best books are Birth of a White Nation by Jacqueline Badalore, I believe was her last name, and um, Afro-Pessimism by Frank Wilderson, which we had a podcast episode by him. Go check him out. Um, Don't forget check- to check out Birth of a Nation by Nate Parker. <laughs> Will's, Will's idol, <laughs> Nate Parker. Um, but yeah, definitely check out Birth of a White Nation. Um, very short read, but it's, it's probably my my favorite like summarization of the creation of whiteness, why we think it's a natural thing, and how whiteness is create, was created in direct contrast to blackness. And I was talking about how like these whole conversations about you know ending racism, building better race relations, are a lot of times pointless because they don't they all naturalize race. They don't really point out the fact that race is a social construct. And because whiteness was created to make blackness um, synonymous with slaveness, if you were to end racism, you have to dismantle whiteness and therefore there would be no no more need for blackness. Um, To still have one or the other is still gonna lead to the same, you know, dynamics in this, in, you know, systematic racism, white supremacists, Mm -hmm. patriarchal, blah, 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 blah. It It would just lead to the same things basically. So my question was, if we said we really wanted to end racism, which in my opinion, like this is all my opinion, my studies and my conversations, if we were to truly end racism, uh, we would have to truly end blackness. Is that something that we would even be prepared for or even something that most black people would even want in the first place? And um, <laughs> I asked Will, um, what, are, what are you without your blackness? I don't actually know. <laughs> it's the way I identify most everything in life. Wow. <laughs> like I, like I see through a black lens, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like that's how so many things in my life are like kind of based around. That's how, that's how I identify like low key. Like I feel like this is not true for just me, but damn near every black person. That's how I identify with who I feel is safe. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I don't, like I have shut down people on going to functions because under the assumption that there will be no other black people there. <laughs> you know, have you done that before? Like you, you probably haven't yes. done it as much, but I think everybody can identify with that some. Yeah, for sure. So you um, saying you're aware of your blackness at all times, you feel like? How can I not be when this world reminds me so much? 
like you don't feel like you have like moments where you forget you're black and then you're suddenly reminded. <laughs> I, I maybe, but like I don't know. It's probably been some times where I've been been in some uh, white spaces, casual white spaces, and I get quickly reminded. Yeah, that's what I'm talking you about. Know what I mean? like, like you're having fun, everything's fine, and you just kind of you're not thinking about it. Maybe you don't forget your black, but you're just not thinking about it. And then like something happens. Yeah. That that has definitely happened before. <laughs> and it's and it's always just a crushing blow. <laughs> yeah. Bro. Um But yeah, man, it's like how I identify safety, it's how I identify my culture, it's a part of what I lean into. Um you know, as far as my tastes, um, it's just so, it's so, such a part of me that I can't not, I can't imagine a world without it. That's, that was the next question is what is the world without black culture? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would assume like, you know, culture and everything just continuously evolves mm -hmm. and probably for the better since it doesn't belong to any one particular people. Um, and also nobody's stomped on and their accomplishments and their influence is not shat on and, you know, uh, basically stolen from them and monetized. Because right. that's definitely Black folk. Um, <laughs> right. When none of y'all motherfuckers wearing pink before camera. Like oh, nobody. No, not at all. What my pink you know what I mean? And it's not just that. Like, it's so many things that we come up with and the world corporate america whatever takes from us and says it's their own oh that's you all know what i mean literally that's the reason it was invented in the first place like yeah so like that would be nice yeah. um to not have to deal with that i guess struggle but at the same time, like, I really like being black. Like, like it's think. like it's got its bad side to it. Like, you know, the negative stereotypes and yeah, you know, all that. But like, like we were talking the other day, bro. It's like being in a club that like just nobody else is a part of. Right, right. <laughs> it's just dope, man. Like it is, it's so fucking dope. Like. And I was thinking, like, would we be friends if we had met each other in high school and we weren't black? I would see. I would like to think so. I think the friendship like dynamic. So, yeah. Well, I, mean, I have no way of knowing, right? But like, <laughs> I would like to think so. I think the dynamics of our friendship would be different in how we interacted because we would interact differently with the world. Mm -hmm. So my here's my theory. I always looked at blackness, much like my masculinity, for example, as simply like a vessel in which my inner self, like the way I, you know, talk, my um, sense of humor, my sense of thinking, you know, the way I eat, my all my personality, blackness, just like anything else, is just like a vessel that I choose to show it in the world. Mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like whenever I do something. I'm being me at all times, but when I whenever I do something and I remember I'm black, 
I put a little extra flair on, like a black flair on it. <laughs> so put the extra sauce on it. A little sauce on it because it's going to come in the world differently because I'm seeing differently. Yeah. And so I would like to think I'm still me. I would just be like a different version of me that just, you know, has, has a new, you know, way of living, basically. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I have hope and faith that we will still survive. <laughs> Many of us will still survive. But the I thing, would just combust. I would just combust. Because <laughs> the thing, you touched on this a little bit earlier. I don't know if you did it on purpose, but like what makes being Black so lit is how much we, not to make Blacks, you know, synonymous, well, it is synonymous with slavery, the way society has created it, but I don't think we do that. Um, but one of the things we use to make blacks, Blackness so lit is like we funnel so much suffering and pain into the litness. Yeah. Like whenever we make like a joke about some ghetto shit or like some broke shit, like, you know, we're only saying it because it's black and that's yeah. in a way derogatory to us. But at the same time, like that's us, though. that's our special, <laughs> like, we know what that joke is so funny. <laughs> you yeah, know exactly. We know when somebody says something a certain way, like this, we can say something like that's the blackest shit I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Like, so like, without that, I think that would, that would have to be going away, but we would find something new, but like a world without that, without that constant, it's like a endless pool of comedy and like funness and happiness and joy and fullness that we just constantly pull from. And we just find new ways to do it every single day, every single second, really. Like, Bro, like it's beautiful because like where I work, I got this homegirl named Andy, and she is one of the India's fucking hilarious. dopest people. Rude as fuck, but she's hilarious. Bro, she's amazing. Um <laughs> And bro, like despite like where we work, and until recently, like our office was really, really white. Yeah. But now, but now we in there. Now we in okay. there. Okay. Okay. Word. Um. But before that, man, like it was, we were just outnumbered. Like it was me and India. That was it. Mm-hmm. Me and India is the only jiggers up in there. Yeah. Was. So, bro, like, despite like all the republicanism and the conservatism over there, like, bro. Me and India would just have these black ass moments. <laughs> yeah. And we just didn't care. Like it was like we had to just let it out. Like, bro, yeah. like we would be just like out of nowhere. We would just sing Jodeci, like out loud in the office. No, nobody else know what the song is, but y'all. Bro, just nobody, everybody around looking dumb. And me and India just in the moment, like just <laughs> living life, two niggas in a white world. Like we <laughs> Like just shit like that, like special shit like that. Yeah. Some shit I would miss. And I don't know if I'm really willing to let shit like that go. Well, see, the other side of that story is as dope as that story is, that's hilarious. I think what part of maybe subconscious in the back of y'all's mind, what partly makes it so funny is y'all go kind of subconsciously know there was a point in time you could not do shit like that if you're the only black people in the office. Like if you did anything remotely like that, y'all guys might get strung out in the street somewhere. And I think part of the comedy comes from like we can do whatever we want because these white people are gonna do shit to us no more. Like, cause we'll sue the fuck out of all of them. Like I think that's part of that again, that pulling from suffering to make joy, which is I, I don't know if we process it like that. I, I can't speak for her, but I think subconsciously I might play might have played a role. I'm just I'm just theorizing. It could be subconscious. Yeah. But it's like I guess I guess it kind of it comes from a place of pain, but it's like we both understand that we are uncomfortable in this white space. Right. 
we we know we're outnumbered. We know that most likely our opinions are not that of the people we work with. Mm-hmm. Because of how we were raised, the culture we come from, this, that, and the third. And so, yeah, like those those moments of like celebrated blackness, yeah, it's probably it comes from a place of pain, like that uncomfortability yeah. that we sit in on a normal basis. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that's that's the part of blackness that's inherent, I think, to the race. And yeah. that, like I said, that doesn't mean like we have to only focus on black suffering. You know what I'm saying? It's almost it's always there. Like we all acknowledge that it's always there. Mm-hmm. I feel like. So it's like, if we say we want to get rid of that, man, you got to. I don't actually know if I do. I really don't. That's that's honesty. I don't think most black, people, like, I don't think most black people do. I really don't. Bro, like this right here has defined who, it has defined a large part of who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like would hip hop be what hip hop is? Obviously not. But like, even if, even if hip hop was still a thing, like. Me being not being black in this future world, would I identify with it? Like, would I like it? Like, what is raceless hip hop, Mr. Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is raceless hip hop? And I would have to ask myself, do I listen to hip hop because I'm black? Or do I just like hip hop? Well, everybody likes hip hop. Well, everybody likes rap. Yeah, everybody likes. Uh, does everybody like rap? I think or people is it just like a way for certain people to be have a feeling of proximity to black people? I feel like if you're talking about mainstream rap, and again, this is just critical race theory mic talking. Um, I think if you're someone who if you're a white person who just completely hates rap, you're more than likely racist. Not just because like <laughs> <laughs> And not just because like whiteness makes you automatically, you know, prone to being racist, but because to like no mainstream rap at all, you probably you probably racist. <laughs> you ain't heard not one rap song that like caught your that ear. Shit, that that shit just too good. Like that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like you found there's something on the radio. You might not be a rap fan. You might not be a hip hop fan, but you can't sit here and tell me there's never been ever there's never ever been a rap song that you just did not like. That's that don't make any sense to me. Without <laughs> being racist. Uh, so would you say the same for black people? Like if there was never a rock song you like, you're probably racist. I mean, yeah. I yeah. I, That's true, because I like some rock shit too. Yeah, but I'm not a rock fan. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think if so. If you don't like Creed, can you take me higher? You just you just racist. Come on, man. Well, uh, with arms wide open, like you yeah. you're not gonna convince me that you don't hate white people if you don't like this song. <laughs> You're not gonna do it, bro. That's the truest shit ever. Like, you, bro, you just can't deny them them two Creed songs. You cannot, absolutely not. <laughs> oh, so, man. I guess yes. I guess I want to have that um the woman on with the theory of uh, racelessness. Um, would love to have a conversation like this with more black people. Um, but yeah, man, I. I don't think it's impossible. I think I think it could be a lot better than we like to think. Because I think the first thing you think of like a lack a lack of blackness, you think like blandness. I think sometimes. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Just completely gray. 
just great everything. It's like everybody's wearing squid games, like jumpsuits, and everything's everything's standard. Um, but no, I think it could be it'll be completely different from what we know, but it could be amazing. Yeah. So Let's ask yourself the question. Yeah. <laughs> That's the real shit. Like that was that was tough. Yeah. Man. Asking myself the question. I remember you was like, I don't think you gave me an answer in the car that night. I was like, you just drove away. <laughs> I don't think yeah, you... I just drove away, bro, because I couldn't give you an answer. <laughs> but at this point, like, now that I've thought about it, no, I'm good. Like, the racism <laughs> just going to have to survive. <laughs> we're just going to do it. We're just going to keep struggling. Yeah, we're just, yeah, we just going to struggle this thing out. I mean, we've been, I mean, we've really only been dealing with this race thing for what, about, what is it, about 600 years or so? Man, we'll be all right. I was going to say, I do want to. This is the last point I want to make. Like, I want to remind people that this shit is still very. I mean, race, you know, was created back in late 1600s or so, but like the whole, you know, race relations thing is still like super fresh. Like, we just one generation removed from desegregation. Like, all this shit is like brand new, technically. Hey, we'll figure it out. (laughs) I just said it makes sense that we wouldn't have any good answers right now. Like, this is still. That's why I get aggravated when white people say, like, oh, that shit happened a long time ago. Like, nigga, it just happened. Like, <laughs> just happened. Nigga, so. I just could vote. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's very recent. Like, yeah. my mom and them, or my grandparents were the first ones to vote without issue. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> that's fucking wild. Yeah, man. So. This has been a good episode. You got you got some some buns to. I'm sorry. I got cheeks of the lady. week. No cheeks, cheeks of the week. week. Oh no. <laughs> nah, man. This week we are going to be looking at Leangelo Ball's girlfriend. She is so fine. Her name is the beautiful Miss Ivani. Oh. Um, no, she no she bad bad. No. What is that? The mm. she tatted up. She got them little cat eyes, kind of. Like, oh, word. Oh, let me show you my favorite picture. Oh, you can catch her on Instagram, Ivani, E-V-O-N-I. Uh, let me see. That's just my favorite. Good. I love some natural face shit right here. Hey, man, the other titties. Uh, listen. Oh. Under titties should be illegal, because that's where. Bro, that shit is just too, it's just too tasty looking. Oh, get off this shit. There you go. <laughs> see, like that? I, I would... Well, you don't even know. But yeah, man, she's fine. Yeah, she's beautiful, man. Um, Jesus. <laughs> it's too much cheekery for y'all, boy. Yeah, um, yeah man, she's Angela Ball, middle ball's uh, girlfriend. Uh, she makes, apparently she makes fire-ass music. You ain't even uh, looking for music? No, 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 no. I was just, I was just reading the thing. Um, no, you can check her out on Spotify, YouTube, TikTok. Uh, I don't I don't fuck with TikTok, so I don't, I don't know about that. that. But you can check out all her shit on Spotify. Uh, yeah, man, just I thought the OnlyFans about probably you know that'd be the OnlyFans landing page for for a lot of Instagram models. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> just cheekery, full cheeker. Um, very beautiful. So yeah, man. Ooh, ooh, see, look, that's one right there too. Ooh, I tell right. you, oh, we still gotta have the episode about um. Is a woman more attractive when she seems more attainable? When we had Bro, I'm telling you, like out of all these, <laughs> the picture of her in the sweats was my favorite. I try to tell y'all that when she all like glammed up and everything, which is fine, which is cool. 
Like, she don't seem like something like regular niggas like us can get. So it's like, okay, she's pretty, whatever, whatever. But she's dressed like in regular clothes. It's like, oh, maybe if I just, yeah. if I saw him down the street, maybe I could get a. Bro, I'm telling you, like, they had a, uh, like, they had a YouTube, uh, I'm sorry, Instagram story where, like, she had just woke up and Jello was bothering her. Uh-huh. Nigga, <laughs> I would have jumped through the screen if I could, bro. Like, her, like, her fucking hair was pinned up. And like she was just waking up, bro. I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> bro, you don't even know." Yeah, like I, I can see it both ways. Like the glammed up shit is cool, but the the glammed up shit, right. like I respect it because it's like you gotta, you know, you're trying to, you know, market either you know your body or whatever like that. Like I respect it, but it doesn't feel like sexy to me. It feels like it feels like a. It feels like I'm being sold something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It feels like an advertisement or something, which is fine. But I feel like when yeah. I see you in regular clothes, it's like I can have a conversation with you. <laughs> so it's like I got a chance. We gonna we gonna get a panel of men together to discuss this, right? Yeah, man. So, this was a really dope conversation, man. I thought you enjoyed. It was it. a good episode today. I mean, they all are, but you know, <laughs> this was one of the best. Yeah. Anyways, guys, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to check out our uh, YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Cultivated Ignorance. Uh, Instagram, Cultivated Ignorance. Patreon.com slash Cultivated Ignorance. Cultivated Ignorance everywhere because we ignorant and we cultivated. Onlyfans.com slash Cultivated Ignorance. coming soon. Yep. You can see Mike uh, spreading them cheeks for you. No, you're going to see this meat. Butthole only. That's all Mike's offering. Just all butthole. Just butthole. <laughs> Not even my face. It's bleach, so it don't match. But <laughs> only fans only. Nah, man. Added. Thank y'all for checking us out. Uh, we really appreciate it, and we will see y'all next time. Love you guys. Peace. Nah.